When Jade Woods, class of 2022, went to last year's Harvard-Yale football game, it was right around the time she declared her concentration in government. As a sophomore, she was starting to think about how she wanted to spend the rest of her time at Harvard. It was my sophomore fall, so um, I was about to declare my concentration, or either just had. I don't exactly remember. But I was definitely evaluating how I wanted to spend my time while I was at Harvard, you know, those precious four years, and figuring out what causes I thought were most important. Um, so for that, by that time, I had been involved with several extracurricular groups for about a year and a half by then. And I really wanted to reconsider those um, and possibly reshuffle them because there are so many doors that you can walk through at Harvard. And I wanted to make sure I was walking through the right ones. That experience is pretty universal at Harvard. When you arrive as a freshman, there are a ton of different things you can do. And people always tell you there's no one right way to do college. But as you progress through the years, it feels like those opportunities narrow. You can't actually be a part of every club or play every intramural. And as you get more invested in the things you do like, you have to start prioritizing. That feeling kind of comes to a head when you have to declare your concentration. Although it's not set in stone, choosing your concentration is one of the most concrete, path-setting decisions you make in college. So that's the context you need to understand when Jade tells the story of how she got involved with the Harvard fossil fuel divestment campaign. With that in mind, going to Harvard Yale, um, I remember... When the protest started, I remember just being very surprised. Jade was with her friends somewhere high up in the stands at halftime when hundreds of students from Harvard and Yale flooded onto the field and delayed the game. They were holding banners calling for the rival schools to stop investing in the fossil fuel industry. But I remember I was standing you know, in the crowd and I remember seeing um, the people running onto the field and the level of dedication I remember just being really moved and, and and struck in the stands by this must be a very important cause if people are willing to do so much for it. And that really led me to, to take a second look and, and reevaluate where I wanted to devote a lot of my time while I was a student. Jade was there right at the time when she was reconsidering her path at Harvard when all these people were doing this inspiring thing to her. Um, Harvard Yale is just such a a huge stage for student social life at Harvard. And I remember being taken aback, like, wow, they chose this stage to do this protest. Like, this is possibly the biggest stage that would have the most attention. For the organizers of the protest, that was exactly the point. The Harvard-Yale game is a hundred-something-year-old tradition, and powerful alumni and donors are tuning in. From that moment, Jade was on board with the movement, shouting improvised chants from the stands in support of the students on the field. The protest resonated with her, partly because she's from Louisiana, and the cause hits home. Growing up, everyone in Louisiana knows that coastal erosion is a threat. We are fed all sorts of statistics in school about how we're losing X number of football fields of land each hour. Um, and in addition to that, how hurricanes are a threat and how there are lots of community initiatives um, to donate materials and donate money and time to build up the coastline, save the coastline. She says it was like a light bulb went off in her head. And from then, she got more and more involved with climate activism at Harvard. In a huge way, it was all because she was deeply moved by this historic protest. A historic protest that now, with Harvard being completely virtual, would have been impossible to pull off. There's just no equivalent for the crowd and the physical space they disrupted when everything is done over Zoom. Student activists and organizers now face the challenge of adapting to a virtual, socially distanced Harvard. This is episode three of New Normal, Remote Activism.
There are quite a few groups at Harvard involved with some form of social or political activism. And considering all that's going on in the U.S. right now, it's a busy time for organizers. There's the protest for racial justice, a pressing national health crisis, an election coming up that's incredibly consequential for a lot of people. That's just a few of the things making 2020 such a crazy year. So students are trying to address all of these issues and more while also navigating remote Harvard. To name some of the groups that are working to affect social change, there's the Association of Black Harvard Women, the Dominican Students Association, Harvard for the Latina, Asian American Women's Harvard Socialist, and many, many more. I tried to get in touch with as many organizers as I could for this episode, and there were some common themes throughout our conversations. The biggest one, and the most obvious, is that there are some unique challenges when it comes to organizing remotely. Here's Jade from Divest Harvard again. One of the most challenging things about transitioning to virtual organizing was the fact that most campus organizing relies on actions and protests and rallies and, you know, putting bodies in spaces that can be noticed, like the Science Center Plaza or Mass Hall or Harvard Square. And the visual impact of those rallies goes a long way. And so it was really difficult thinking about how to occupy the kind of virtual space or non-space, um, like a Zoom call, because the only people who will see what happened at the Zoom call are the people on the call. So if we think back to the protest at the Harvard-Yale football game, that's a good example of what Jade's talking about, putting a lot of people in a place where they're hard to ignore. But there aren't spaces on the internet that are like the Yale Bowl, Harvard Yard, or the IOP's JFK Forum. In fact, this question of disrupting space becomes really hard because the individual owners of virtual space have a lot of power to control what goes on in those spaces. Here's Rui Martinez, class of 2022, an organizer for the Young Democratic Socialists of America. Zoom allows people to take much more punitive measures, like kicking or banning people um, a lot more easily. Um, I think it also allows for restrictions like, uh, you know, Harvard emails, stuff like that. There, There's a lot, I think, that can be done by the powers that be if they want to. Um, and disrupting that is difficult. Um, in the way that students could do visible disruptions on campus, that is a lot harder now, uh, both because there are not many students on campus and social distance. And there, I mean, there have been protests on different campuses, but that was because they were studying on campus. So protesting a particular event or speaker, for example, is a lot easier in person because there's no ban, kick, or mute buttons in real life. Zoom makes it much easier to restrict who's speaking when who's seen when, and who is even allowed into the space in the first place. On top of that, there have also been some challenges when it comes to recruiting and connecting with people. I think in some ways recruitment will be both a bit easier to get people to attend Zoom meetings, but also way harder to reach out to all these people because I'm sure they're just getting flooded with emails. Um, you know, the thing we used to do as Harvard for Virginia is we would just table. We would set up a table, and I'm sure maybe you saw it, we would set up a table outside of the Science Center we had a bunch of Bernie swag and we would just talk to people and give them candy and stuff and be like, hey, you know, um, real salt of the earth tactic right there. I mean, that that's a that's a standard. I mean, that's something we would plan to do is set up a YDSA table and be like, hey, do you want to make the world a better place? You know, do you want some candy? Um, we can't really do that. So while there are some significant challenges, there are also some things that have gone a little smoother because everything is online. One of the biggest upsides to virtual life, for example, is things are more accessible than they've ever been. This is Manat Benassi, class of 2022, 
the president of the Harvard College Democrats. So in June, um, right after um, George Floyd's life was taken by police, we got we created a coalition with lots of other organizations, um, about 20 to 30 other organizations on campus to create a huge phone bank um, that got about four, no, about 500 people interested and then about 300 people turning out. It's a virtual phone bank um, right after the days of um, George Floyd's uh, murder, as well as um, right after Breonna Taylor was killed. Hi, my name is Manat Benassi, and I want justice for George Floyd, a man killed mercilessly by the Minneapolis police. Firing the four officers involved in this murder was just I'm the first step. The Minneapolis Police Department must institute... The organizers put together a 17-page resource guide that included best practices for phone banking and who to reach out to, basically creating a framework to guide future events like that one. So that was really um, great. And I think Zoom in a lot of ways and other platforms that people have been able to use while virtual has actually given us a lot of opportunity to do a lot of really awesome things as well. For example, a phone bank on campus, maybe if it were at a certain time or a certain place on campus, not as many people that came out to the virtual one would have been able to come. So there were 300 people on a Zoom call that we wouldn't be able to have 300 people in one room in a phone bank on campus. Being able to have this space where we were able to bring so many people and connect so many people that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to do on campus was really, really crucial and important. And then also just having this resource guide that we maybe would have traditionally just explained in person or written on a chalkboard or a blackboard, for example, in in a classroom or in a meeting space. Now to have it documented online for anyone to be able to access at any point um, also was a really crucial benefit to being able to do it virtually as well because then people were able to access it for weeks afterwards. So definitely um, gave us a couple of challenges at first, but ended up being um, a really great event nonetheless while virtual. So although it might seem like we've been living in the apocalypse for the last nine months, Harvard organizers are adapting and rising to the challenge. Rui, from the Young Democratic Socialists, has mentioned that despite the circumstances, YDSA has some work planned in the local community for the next semester. And that's another common theme I found across these conversations. Things might suck now, but the work is still being done. I think really kind of summed up the general vibe of what remote activism is in the pandemic. So just interesting, like I said, this dichotomy of the situation being so bad and people recognizing that like they have to take matters into their own hands. And... uh, I think it actually is really meaningful and it's affected me personally. And I think it's affected a lot of us personally in the way we look at the world. That, that's the whole point of YDSA, right? We want to contribute to those struggles. So, you know, I think on campus, that's what we're looking at. And we have certain projects I think are really exciting in the future that have to do with, especially the local community here at Harvard and Cambridge. Um, so that'll be very exciting. I mean, this is a serious organization. We like, we, we take this stuff seriously, you know, this isn't just like a leftist social club, uh, but this is a real, and obviously I am friends and I'm friends with all these people. I love these people. They're truly my comrade, but like we're here to get stuff done. Um, and I think you'll find in the year, in the coming year, we will get stuff done uh, and we will make an impact. And I think many people will have their eyes on us when that happens.
New Normal is a podcast about Harvard students in the pandemic. It's produced and edited by me, Kai McNamee. This episode had some help from Jason Lamb and Sofia Andrade. New Normal will be back in two weeks.